You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. If you have your Bibles, you can actually open up to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And a good friend of mine loves to quote this verse, who happens to be here. He was a World War II vet. And I won't point any elbows at him. <laughs> he is here this morning, and uh, he loves this verse. And I didn't know you were coming, so this one is for you. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Are you ready? Now, let's read it real quick, and then we'll break it down. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, Whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, let me ask you, are all those things good? Oh, good. This is Sunday morning crowd. Good. All these things good. (laughs) All right. Is there anything bad in this list? No, there's nothing bad. It's all good. Right. It's all good stuff. So he says, do what? All the things that are going on good. All these things that are what? All these things that are true, noble, just, pure. Uh, lovely, whatever is of good report, if there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, I want you to meditate on these things. Now, years ago, when I would read Paul's letters, I always thought Paul many times would say something because that's what they were already doing, only to realize it's redundant to tell someone to do something that they're already doing. You get it. Now, I can encourage you and tell you to continue doing what you're doing, but that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul is telling them, look, everything that's going good in your life, everything that's true, Everything that's true, everything that's praiseworthy, I want you to meditate on this. And if you understand the book of Philippians, Paul wrote it to a church that was not having a good time. In fact, the the church in Philippi, what they were experiencing, there was a lot of division going on in the church. There was a lot of uh, subordination, so to speak. The leader had a vision and the people under him had another vision. And there was a lot of chaos, a lot of turmoil, a lot of uh, fighting, uh, inside fighting, destroying itself from the inside out. And in the book of Philippians, Paul goes on to say this, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. That book, he says, rejoice more than any other book. Now, why? Because rejoicing was the answer to the problem they were having. But more so than that, take it one step further. He goes on to say, hey, look, I want you to meditate on everything that's going good. And at the time, there's not a lot of good going on. So Paul is saying, hey, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of what you're seeing in your own church, I want you to focus on good things. And not just focus on good things, meditate on good things. Now, this speaks to me in a lot of ways because you know what? Just because on the surface I'm not going through something doesn't mean on the inside I'm not going through something. You understand? Peace is not the absence of chaos. True peace is inward peace in the midst of chaos. All right? So what Paul is saying is, look, I want you to meditate on these things. Now, my understanding of meditation was I must fold my legs my hands must be in proper formation, and I must say, okay, um, right? <laughs> thank you, thank you, Joshua Menga. Um, 
I don't know why you say um. I th- you're thinking of the next word, um, right? So, but seriously, I, that's what meditation was for me. And not just that, you must have the, the incense burning, the good smells, the good aroma, the perfect atmosphere, and that's how you meditate. So I was afraid of meditation, only to find out God encourages his people to meditate. I want you to meditate. And Paul says, all the things that are going on good, I want you to meditate on these things. Now, again, I always thought meditation was an inward thing. It's a, a think about it. Meditate on this, you know, meditate on your schoolwork. Think about what you learned. But let me tell you the truth. It is more than just thinking. All right. Meditating has to do with what you're saying just as much as what you're thinking. All right. Now, I'm going to show you in just a moment. But look at verse nine. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, to the church that's experiencing no peace, what does he say? If you'll meditate on these things and follow my example, the God of peace will be with you. Now, let me tell you something about the God of peace and we'll move on. Paul doesn't call him the God of peace very often. Two places. But when Paul calls him the God of peace, you know what he says in Romans? The God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. When he becomes the God of peace to us, all of Satan's influence in your life will be crushed by him. And the beauty of that is you are more than a conqueror. Not you will crush Satan. I have no interest in crushing Satan. I want him to crush him. When I try to crush him, I might miss. He might get back up. But if he crushes Satan, I'm good, right? So I want the God of peace on my side. Are you with me? Wherever I'm struggling in life, whatever my my worries or cares are, I want the God of peace in my life. And Paul is saying for him to become the God of peace, meditate on these things. Now, in order for us to meditate on these things the accurate way, we must know what meditate means. Would you like to know what meditate means? I'm so glad you asked. Look at this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Now look, the word meditate in the Greek is the word logizo mai. Say logizo. logizo. My. Logizo mai literally means to count or to credit. In fact, Paul said it like this, and I'm going to take a detour for just a moment. Paul said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, and you are dead to sin. You are to credit yourself, logizo mai, yourself dead to sin. Now, think about it. When you receive Jesus, all right, when you say, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the sheep that the shepherd has found, and you're saying, I'll stop running. Now I'm ready for you to carry me home. You get it. It's not, I found the shepherd. He was hiding from the rest of the sheep. No, all right. We ran off, and he found us. And when we say, Jesus, you are Lord, we're saying, shepherd, now carry me back. Be a shepherd to me. So when we say, Jesus, you are Lord, what happens is this. Now you are dead to sin. Now, does that mean you have stopped sinning? Of course not. In fact, if the truth was known, most believers sin a little bit more. Because the sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin is the law. And isn't it a shame when we come to church, we receive more law, which increases sin in the church. Some of the worst sinners in this world are people who are in the church because they are under the law. But when you step out from the law and back under grace, sin loses its power in your life. So what Paul says is this. Hey, look. Look, consider yourself dead to sin. Now, Paul, I continue sinning. That's fine. I'm not saying stop sinning. I want you to stop sinning. But I'm not telling you to stop sinning because if I tell you to stop sinning, I'm putting you under the law. What I'm telling you to do is consider yourself dead to sin. And the word consider in Romans is the word logizomai. Credit yourself. Consider yourself dead to sin. 
Now, why is that important? Let me tell you. If you have $500 in your bank account, the last three weeks, illustrations have had to do with money. I receive it, Lord. I receive it. Thank you, Jesus. That just hit me. I didn't, I didn't plan that. I promise. I didn't plan that. And Lord, everyone who didn't say amen, give me their portion in Jesus' name. All right. So anyways, now, if you have $500 in your bank account, all right, that money is there. You can't see it, but that money is there, right? What Paul is saying is, even though you don't see it, it's there. Consider yourself dead to sin, but consider yourself also alive to Christ. As sure as Jesus died to your sin, even though you still sin, consider yourself dead to that sin. What do I do when I make a mistake? Thank God that you are still the righteousness of God in Christ. Stop saying, I am a sinner. Oh, God, forgive me for all the sin I'm doing. I'm not, listen, I say this carefully. Very, very carefully. We have to say this carefully, all right? I'm not saying don't repent. I'm not saying that at all. But when you realize you have already been forgiven, you'll stop begging God for forgiveness, and you'll start thanking him that you are already the righteousness of God in Christ. And you are dead to sin. Power over sin doesn't come when you say, God, help me with this sin. Power over sin comes when you say, God, I thank you that I have already won over this. You have already won over this. Are you still with me? So logizo my means to credit something as if it's true, because it is. It is. Now watch this. Logizo my, I wish I put it up here, but I didn't. Logizo my is the word for meditate, right? But logizo my comes from a word, logos. Everyone say logos. Logos is a very interesting word. Logos means the spoken, the utterance, the word of God. Literally, the spoken word of God. When God speaks, it's called the logos. Logizomai comes from the word logos, which means when Paul is saying, I want you to meditate on these things, it's not just think about it. It's I want you to speak out. And there's actually another word for speaking in the Greek. But of all the words Paul chose to use, he chose to use the word that comes from logos. In other words, what is he saying? It's not just when my boss smiled at me today. I'm going to meditate on that. It's not just she texts me today. I'm going to meditate on this because this is a good and lovely thing in my life. It's beginning to meditate on what the Lord has done. You get it? It's saying I'm going to meditate. I'm going to speak what God has done in my life. Now, if you're like me and sometimes you can focus more on the negative than the positive, learn to stop looking at your negative and saying, God, where are you? And start saying, Lord, this is what you did at the cross. Let the cross be your anchor. When what's going on in your life doesn't look like God loves you, look at the cross and start meditating, start speaking out, start talking to yourself. In fact, years ago I was doing this and I had no idea I was doing it because years ago when, when um. I got my first real job with Jason, and uh, we were working at a warehouse, good old Auto Plus. I should probably edit that out, but anyways. <laughs> working at a warehouse, and at the time I was working at the warehouse, the word of God was becoming alive to me for the first time in my life. And I remember the Lord, was a verse would jump off the pages for me, and all of a sudden I would realize it was time to go back to work. So what I would do is I'd write the verse down, Jason would too, we would write the verse down, and I would walk through the warehouse, and I would just say the verse over and over and over. Now, in my mind, I was trying to memorize it, but as I would say the verse over and over, under my breath quietly, as I would say it over and over, all of a sudden I found that God began to teach me what the verse, other, other 
sides of the verse, things that I didn't always see on the surface. And the Holy Spirit began to teach me about the grace of God as I would speak these verses quietly under my breath. Now, I'm not telling you this so you think, Matthew's got it. I need to get where he's at. No, we are all at the same place. But what I'm saying is years ago, I had no idea. But that is actually meditating, taking a verse and begin to speak it out. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. If you're sick, begin to take by his stripes, I am healed. And begin to meditate by his stripes, I am healed. By his what? Stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, who is healed? I am healed. By his stripes, I am what? Do you get it? When you start taking verses and start squeezing them for the life in them, I'm draining every bit of life you can out of it. Then when you're done, say, okay, uh, uh, Holy Spirit, give me more. By his stripes, and start squeezing it again. And squeezing it, the word of God is rich. And when you take one verse and break it, I'm for the last week, I told myself, I'm going to have one verse every day. But I've been on one verse for the entire week. <laughs> and I'm going to share that verse at the end. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Begin to squeeze God's word. Begin to squeeze it. In fact, let me show you this. Look at this in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus has just healed the leper. And the second miracle he's about to do, a Roman centurion comes to him. And when the Roman centurion comes to him, he says, Lord, my servant is sick. So watch this. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now watch what Jesus said. I'll come and I'll what? He came to Jesus knowing Jesus can heal my servant. So he said, come and heal my servant. Jesus says, okay. He didn't say come. He said, heal my servant. And Jesus says, I'll come and heal. Now, if Jesus tells me, Matthew, I'm coming to your house today. And I'm going to make Christina listen to you from now on. Jesus name. That's all I need, Father. Bring it on. She's not here this morning. <laughs> all right. And all the men said, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Jesus, I'm, Matthew, I'm on my way. I will say, come, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> but the Roman centurion didn't say, come. What did the Roman centurion say? Let's watch this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Stop. He has made us worthy. Yes, right. Jesus qualified all of us. Yes. All right. He said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Now, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. You know why? Let me show you. Only speak what? A word. The word word right here is logo, not logos. Word, logo. And again, it's singular. Now, why is that important? Because, listen, you don't need the entire Bible to meditate. You just need one word. One word. Take a verse. And out of five or six words in one verse, one word is enough to get healed. One word. The centurion impressed Jesus so much, he turned around and said, I haven't seen faith like this man in all of Israel. And he's not even a Jew. <laughs> then he turns around to the man and says, go home. He's healed. I'm he impressed Jesus. He impressed Jesus. L listen, it's not many, many verses. It, uh, sometimes I think people in Christina, <laughs> we had this conversation last night. I was asking, I said, can you read some verses to me? Because I was trying to get ready for something. Give me um, the list of verses that are on this paper. So she's reading the verses out loud while we're driving. But I started thinking, man, that's a lot of verses for one passage. And I said, are you reading one verse? And she said, no, I wasn't reading the references because I thought you knew all these verses. What? <laughs> She's like, don't you know all the verses? Like, what, who do you think I am? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. You think I know every verse in the Bible? And she was like, well, I thought you know most of them. I don't know most of the verses in the Bible. Like, this is serious yesterday. So I'm like, 
What? <laughs> no, the danger is people tend to think, oh, he's the pastor, he's the preacher, he knows a lot of verses. Wrong. I know some verses. I know a lot of verses. <laughs> I know some verses. But it doesn't mean I am in a better position than you. We are all in the same position. We are all at the foot of the cross. We are all in Christ. Christ is in me as much as he is in you. You are just as complete in Christ, not missing or lacking for anything, just as much as I am. In fact, there's a danger. Because me, I can say, God, I have studied and I have studied. Surely you will come Sunday morning and move with power and magnitude. And all of a sudden, I've made this works. You get it? I've come in here with self-righteousness. And the Lord will move for your sake, but self-righteousness will stop me from receiving. You get it? So in my situation, I have to be a little more careful because I can't let my studying and my time with God become a self-righteous act. It'll stop me. You get it? So again, it's not how many verses you know. It's taking one verse and saying, you know what? I'm going to squeeze this verse for the life of it. You get it? Now let me show you what David said. Are you ready? Let's go through Psalm real quick. Let's go through a few books, uh, a few books and a few verses in the book of Psalms. Psalm 77, and we're going to read not the whole chapter, but I want to show you what this, uh, Asaph is the one who wrote this, not David, Asaph wrote this, but I want to show you what Asaph was experiencing. He's going to walk us through his life, through, his, through this moment of trial, okay? Are you ready? Psalm 77, verse 1, Asaph says, I cried out to God with my voice. He said, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Selah. Does this look like a good moment for him? No. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. How sad is it? How sad is it when you go, man, the good old days were better than they were today. But may your future be brighter and better. May your best days still be ahead of you. Yes. Verse 6, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart. Now, what did, what did he say? Oh, are you with me? Now watch this. He's going through some serious, some serious stuff right now. And what does he say? I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Has his mercy ceased forever? And I put it in gold because, man, He's asking some serious questions of God. Watch this. Has his promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? Now, this is a serious place. This is a serious place to be. And to be honest, if the truth was known, many of us are asking the same questions. You look at your life and you go, is, is God's word true or is it not? Is the favor of God all over me or is it not? Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> Have I been forgotten? I mean, come on. If the truth is known, many of us are in the same place. But watch what happens. It gets better. Sundays always end on a good note, right? <laughs> watch this, verse 10. And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I won't let what's in front of me stop me. I will look back at what he did. And the right hand of God is the righteousness of God. The righteousness, the right hand of God is the arm of God in Isaiah 53. Who has seen the arm of God? Who has seen his weapon? Who has seen what the servant did to save all of us? Watch this, verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will also... Meditate. Oh, come on, Sunday morning. I will also... 
Meditate on all your work and talk of your deeds. It's not enough to think about it. I have to say it out loud. I have to say it out loud. Talk to yourself. Encourage yourself. And the best time to do it is when you're facing the problem. Don't wait until the problem is gone to start meditating. Meditate now. And meditate when you're in it and meditate before the next one comes. Because I can guarantee you this. If you're not being attacked now, you will be attacked in the very near future. But begin to meditate on it now. Take a verse and just meditate on it. And what does he say? Your ways, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the people. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. Now, this is not the end. You can read the end for yourself. I didn't want to have too many verses, but I wanted to show you. In one moment, his life is hell on earth. The next moment, he says, I'm going to meditate. Then all of a sudden, everything turns in his favor. In fact, let me tell you now, this is what the Lord spoke to me. The phrase he gave me was this, meditate to manifest. That's the phrase he gave me, meditate to manifest. Can we keep going? I'll show you more in Psalm. Let's keep going. Psalm 119. Verse 23, Psalm 119, verse 23. David is talking this time. He says, princes also sit and they speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statues. <laughs> when is the right time to meditate? When people are talking about me. When the enemy's attacking me, the best time for me to meditate is when they're attacking me. Isn't it like God to say, don't try to fight your battle. Think about me. Talk about me. And while you're focused on me, I'll fight for you. All right? But your servant meditates on your statues, and your testimonies are also my delight and my counselors. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Notice what he called it at the very end. My what? Counselors. Counselors. When you meditate on God's word, you'll find direction. In fact, I'll show you that in just a moment, another place. I'll show you in just a moment. But keep in mind, he said what? Your testimonies are my delight and my counselors. Skip ahead to verse 78. Same chapter. 119 verse 78. David says, let the proud be ashamed, for they treated me wrongfully with falsehood, but I will meditate on your precepts. So again, I want to drive the, I want to drive the point home. When do we need to meditate the most? When we're going through it. Don't wait for God to move, have a miracle, and say, okay, Lord, I'm ready to start meditating. <laughs> meditate now. Are you with me? Now, again, I'm excited, because at the end of the message, I'm going to meditate with all of you. Okay. We're going to do it this morning as a church, but let's keep going. Now, look at this. We're on the downside of the message now, okay? Bring it to a close. In fact, before we read Joshua, let me tell you this. When the Lord spoke to Jehoshaphat, he said, the battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And Jehoshaphat didn't say, okay, Lord, everyone go home. Don't worry about the battle. It's all fine. It's all good. If Jehoshaphat had stayed home, would the Lord have still fought? Yes, because the Lord said the battle belongs to me. But the beauty is this. He had enough wisdom to say, let's go to the battlefield anyway. You know why? When they arrived, four days it took to pick up the spoils. Four days it took to pick up the gold. Four days to pick up the silver. Four days to make sure they got every chariot and every good horse and to make sure they had all the articles of clothing they wanted. Four days it took them to collect the spoils. What if they had stayed home? Would they have won? Yes. If you stay home, will you win? Yes. But if you go to the battlefield, you will win. Oh, man, you will look better than before they attacked you. So never shy away. When someone attacks you, praise God. I'm about to become rich. <laughs> Next time someone attacks you, 
after you calm down, just start praising God. Thank you, Jesus. Where's my Bible? I need a verse to meditate on. Right? <laughs> Give me something to meditate. But you know what Jehoshaphat did on the way to the battlefield? He didn't tell everyone, be quiet. You know what he did? He put the worshipers in front and said, begin to sing. Begin to sing. What were they doing? They were meditating on the love of God the whole way to the battle. Let's meditate on the love of God, everyone. Let's meditate on God's love. And as they meditate on God's love, when they arrive, the Bible says God caused the enemy to kill themselves. And four days it took to collect the spoils. So meditate. Say meditate. I believe by the grace of God, you will meditate this week. <laughs> now, let's look at Joshua chapter one. Now, this is, again, something the Lord shared with me personally. Are you ready? Man, this was good for me. <laughs> I hope this blesses you. If it doesn't, I don't care. <laughs> Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter one, verse eight. Now, God speaks to Joshua. He says, Joshua, this book of law shall not depart from your where? Oh, man. What did I tell you about meditation? It's not just thinking. It's also speaking. He said, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, let me say this. See that last phrase, the Lord your God is with you wherever you go? Did you know that the Lord said that to him in the same context more than once? Now, do you know once you receive Jesus, the Lord is with you now and forever? There's no sin that can make him leave you. There's no mistake that he says, I need some time. <laughs> I almost went somewhere. Right? <laughs> I heard a voice behind. Come back, son. Come back. All right. Anyways, so what are we talking about? Oh, so the Lord is always with you. Wherever you go, he's always with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But for every person that's received Christ, they're not all prosperous and they don't all have good success. <laughs> now, this is where it gets interesting. I was reading this and the Holy Spirit said, notice what it said. No, notice that last phrase. I'm, I'm so clear. I was in my study and I was studying my office. I was studying. He said, notice that last verse. And all of a sudden I thought, wait a second. I've seen that before. You're with me wherever I go. That's part of our promise. He's with you wherever you go. But I'm not I haven't always been prosperous in my life. And I haven't always enjoyed good success. So I said, Lord, what's the key? And you know what he said? Those things are tied together to what? Meditating. Meditating. It's not, an, listen, I say this very reverently and very carefully. The Lord is with every person who said, Jesus, you are Lord. But they are not all enjoying prosperity or good success. It is possible for God to be with you, but the Lord's hands still be tied. I want to make you prosperous. I want to make you successful. And not just successful, give you good success. There are some people who are successful, but their families are torn apart. There are some people who are successful, and when they lay down at night, they can't sleep. There are some people who are successful, and then towards the end of their life, they're laid flat, and they can't enjoy it. But God wants to give you good success. And good success means you have time to enjoy with your family. You are healthy, you're young, you're vibrant. I mean, come on. Good success means, like we talked about last week, you are an heir of the world. Money doesn't own you. You own money. So he wants to give you prosperity and good success. And it's not enough just to say, Lord, you're here. Meditating does what? Cause you to be prosperous and good success. Now watch this. Look at this. 
Look at this. This book of law shall not depart, same verse, but I broke it down in the Hebrew so you can see something interesting. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. The word meditate is the word hagah, speak, utter, or mutter. So again, in the Hebrew, it's the same thing. It's not enough to think about it. It's not enough to think. Speak it out. And what does he say? You shall mutter, you shall speak, you shall utter it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. What did we say earlier? It's your counselor. When you meditate on God's word, you'll find that God's word can lead you and tell you choice A or choice B. Which decision should I make, Lord? Meditate on God's word and you'll find the answer coming quicker. All right? What does he say? For then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have. Now, this is so cool. God isn't saying, if you meditate, I'll give you prosperity. Did you know that? He's not even saying, if you meditate, I'll give you good success. He says, if you meditate, you will make your way prosperous. Now watch this. This is what the Lord spoke to me when I was meditating on this and I saw this. He said this, son, how much prosperity do you want? How much do you want to meditate? (laughs) I've been meditating all week. (laughs) Son, how much success do you want in your life? And I stopped for a moment and I looked at my life and I thought, "I I have enjoyed a measure of success, but I haven't even come close to the success he wants to give me. You haven't even come close to the success he wants to give you. Oh man, we haven't even come close to it. But how much do you want? How much will you meditate? I'm t- oh man, I believe you're going to meditate this week. <laughs> I'm telling you, when you meditate on God's word, this is what happens. You will make your own way prosperous. You will have good success. Can we keep going? Oh, man. Can you, can you take a little more? All right. <laughs> now, I'm going to bring this to a close. Then we'll meditate as a church. Sound good? Bring this to a close. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. That famous passage of scripture. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. David says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Pause for a moment. Now the counsel of the ungodly is not just a non-believer. Now it's someone who hasn't meditated. I've received bad counsel from a believer before. <laughs> I've, I've heard bad counsel come from pastors before. What is, what is good counsel? Someone who's meditated on God's word. Are you with me? So watch this. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And don't forget, the law right here is the word Torah, which means the instruction of the Lord. His delight is in the instructions that God gives him. Even though we're not under the law, what he's saying is this. When God gives you instructions, you have fun. Blessed is the one who enjoys when God speaks to him and tells him what to do. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates, or in his instruction, he meditates, he meditates, he meditates, where? Day and night. Now watch this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Not when he makes the right decisions, he shall, no, 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 that's not what he said. He said whatever he does. Even in the Hebrew, the word whatever means, I think it's the word kole, which means everything he does. When he makes the right choice, when he makes the wrong choice, no matter what choice he makes, he will always prosper. (laughs) And what is the prerequisite? Meditate. When you meditate on God's word, when you make the wrong decisions, you'll still prosper. Because you're meditating. Do you get it? 
Now, I've known that. In fact, last time I shared on meditation, I shared that. But while I was meditating on this, the Lord made a verse jump out at me. Now, you know what? You want to know what the verse? You know, look up here. Same verse. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in the season. Now, watch this. When you meditate, when it's the season, you'll bring forth fruit. Not before, but in season, you'll bear fruit. When you're meditating, when the season comes, you'll bear fruit. Now, that's good. But when it's not season, you won't bear fruit. But don't worry. When it is your season, you will bear fruit. Make no mistake. Then the Lord said this. Notice the next verse. Whose leaf also shall not wither. What season is it? are we in right now? Fall. Fall. And what happens at fall? All the leaves fall. They change colors and they fall. Now, what is he saying? No matter what season, your leaves will never wither. <laughs> Do you get it? No matter what season you're in, your leaves will never wither. Where everyone else's leaves are falling, yours will not. You will bear fruit in season, but your leaves will never wither. Oh, man. Oh, man. I hope you're going to meditate this week. <laughs> now, watch this. Can we take it one step further and I'll close? One step further and I'll close. Christina says too many verses, but one step further. She's not here this morning. <laughs> one step further and we'll close. Remember I told you Revelation, right? Watch this. Close with this. Don't forget, your, your leaves will not what? Watch this. Revelation 22. John is in the spirit. He sees the new Jerusalem come down. He sees heaven. He is in heaven. And Jesus is there. The lamb is there. God is there. There is no sun, moon, stars. God himself is the light. There is no sanctuary. God himself is the sanctuary. He says, man, I am here. And in verse 2, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and the lamb. If we had time, I could show you how this is a picture of praying in the spirit. Anyways, in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of what? Life. No, pause for a moment. Don't look. Don't, don't read. I can't let you read. <laughs> what did he just say he saw? The tree of what? Now watch this. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God kicked them out the garden, but he put a flaming sword to guard the way. Are you with me? Put a flaming sword to guard the way. In fact, he put cherubim, cherubim. He put angels to guard the way with a flaming sword. You know the word sword in the Hebrew is interchangeable with the word tongue? Jameson Fawcett Brown, if you look up their commentary, when they talk about the flaming sword, they say flaming sword, also a flaming tongue that went every which way to cut. On the day of Pentecost, what came down and rested on everyone's head? Flaming tongues of fire. And they all went out doing what? Speaking. <laughs> in Proverbs, Solomon says, oh man, this has become the tree of life. Your tongue is now the tree of life. And watch this. The way to the tree was guarded by a flaming sword. But at the end of the Old Testament, the shepherd comes and he takes the sword for all the sheep. Now the sheep can come in straight to the tree of life. Where is the flaming sword now? It's in your mouth. The tree of life is where? In your mouth. You have only but to meditate on God's word. You have only but to set your tongue on fire with the Holy Spirit, praying in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, you'll find the tree of life is working for you, pouring life into your mortal bodies. The Holy Spirit giving life. Oh, man. Now watch this. I'm sorry I changed the verse, but I did want you to keep reading. Watch this. Verse 2. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. Now watch this. The leaves of the tree were for what? 
healing. And straight away the Lord spoke and said, son, when I say your leaves will not wither, what I mean is your health will never leave you. Oh, man. Your health will never leave you. I got so excited. I'm t- <laughs> I was in my office. I had a moment. I was like, oh, my God. Because, see, the average believer says, well, I get sick and I get healed. I get sick and I get better. I get sick and I get better. And it's the constant back and forth that the world experiences. But Paul said, come on now. Second Corinthians chapter 3, the glory of the old covenant fades, but the glory of the new covenant will never fade. That means when you get healing, it should never leave you. When you get health, it will never leave you. Stop expecting things to get worse and go back to the normal. This should be the norm. Your leaves never wither means you should never experience sickness ever again. That's why my prayer for us every time we get sick is this. Father, heal them and may they never experience it again. May you never have to struggle or fight with this ever again. Because your leaves should never be withering. But you know what the Lord has done? I won't force my healing on you. I won't force my health on you. I won't force my prosperity and my success on you. How much of it do you want? How much of it do you want to meditate? It's now in your hands. (laughs) We don't have to struggle in life. We just have to meditate. Now, can we meditate as a church? And I'll close. Can we do this as a church? Now, this is what we're going to do. You know that famous verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where Paul says, and my God shall, can you, can you say the rest? My God shall all. Good. So most of us know it. If you don't know it, don't worry. Go home, read it for yourself. Philippians 4, 19. But I want to meditate on the first five words. Five is the number of grace. This is what the Lord gave me this week, and we'll close with this, all right? The first five words are this. My God shall supply all. And we'll stop with that. Now, when we meditate, this is where we're going to, I want you to meditate with me. You can meditate how you want at home, but we're going to do it my way, because I'm the pastor, all right? (laughs) Do it my way this morning. We're going to emphasize each word and say the rest. So, for example, we'll say, my God shall supply all. My God shall supply all. My God shall. And we'll do the whole thing. Is that okay? So let's do it together. Are you ready? One, two, three. My God shall supply all. My God shall supply My God. My God shall what? My God shall supply all. (laughs) Now let me say this. I don't know if you can feel it right now, but when when I said it the first time I said it all the way through, peace. I said, okay, I'm going to say it again. And I did it again. And all of a sudden, more peace came. And I said, I'm going to say it again. More peace came. More peace. That's been my meditation since last Monday. And I told the Lord, I want to do one verse every day of the week. And that's been the only verse I've been able to meditate on. Who's God? My God. My what? My God. Do you know in the old covenant, God said this, when the new covenant comes, I will be a God to you. Meaning, I won't be a God to everyone else, but I will be a God to you. So who is it? My God. My God what? I told last Wednesday night, a group of English scholars came together years ago and they said, what is the most definite word in the English language? What is the one word that there's no question about? This is the one word that no one can confuse. The one word, you know what the word was? Shall. When the word shall appears anywhere, it means something is going to happen. And what's the word say? My God. 
What shall he do? Stop trying to earn it and let him be the supplier. Oh, man. My God shall supply. And the last word is what? How much shall you supply? How much? Now we can rest. You get it. You get it. (laughs) My God shall supply all. So take a verse. Take a verse this week. Whatever it is, pick a verse. Don't pick thou shall not. Don't don't do that. (laughs) Do not go to Exodus 20, all right? Leave that that chapter alone, all right? The law is not of faith. You will lose faith, right? God, I'm meditating, but I can't believe for it. All right? But pick a verse this week and meditate. And let your hearts have peace. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. We thank you for the power of your word. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing between soul and spirit. Father, your word goes even between joint and marrow, bringing life to our mortal bodies. So, Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for the power of your word this morning. And, Father, we thank you as we meditate on your word this week. Your word is manifesting in the lives of everyone here, Father, even in the lives of our children. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Just take a moment real quick before we pray and close. Just take a moment out of your own mouth. Just tell him how grateful you are for his word. I'm telling you, your best days are ahead of you. May you walk into your best days this week. Even as you meditate, may you walk into your best days this week. Thank him now in advance for the open doors. Thank him now in advance for that promotion. Thank him now in advance for good success. Thank him for good success. Thank you, Jesus. You are providing all. You are supplying all. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. If you would, stand to your feet and just lift your hands. I'll pray for the offering in just one moment, but with your hands lifted up as a sign of receiving, may the Lord bless you this coming week in your going out and in your coming in. May the Lord bless you everywhere you find yourself this week. May the Lord cause his favor to rest on you this week like never before. May the Lord bless the seed in your hand and the seed in your storehouse. May the Lord keep you and your children this week. May the Lord keep you always at the right place at the right time. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Let me pray. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.